Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. to be speaking to you today. Uh, I do consider it an honor. This isn't something that I feel like I deserve because I'm Mel's wife. It is not something I feel like I deserve um, for any reason. I, in fact, I don't deserve it, but and I know that it's um, a gift, and it is something that is an honor for me and a privilege to be able to speak to you today. And I just want to welcome um, all the moms that are here today. You are all amazing, and um, whether you have had biological children or adopted children or foster children, um, you have an incredible job, and so we just appreciate you. I hope you will take advantage of the uh, selfie station we created out for you in the lobby. If you don't know what a selfie is or you don't know how to take one, just find a female between the ages of about 12 and 25, and they know how to take them really well, and so ask them to help you out with that. Um, in fact, I think uh, older women like to take selfies too on occasion, and some men. But men, can I just give you a word of advice? It's never cool for you to take a selfie, <laughs> ever. Okay, Luke DeBizer says amen to that. <laughs> Unless you're with someone, you can take a selfie with another person in the picture, but not by yourself. Um, All right, well, that's off subject, but on the other hand, I know that Mother's Day can be a painful holiday as well, and so I want to acknowledge that and say that if you have experienced loss or if you've been longing for a child or if you are single and you haven't found the one and and want children, um, know that we, we see you, we acknowledge you, we love you, and we are so glad that you um, mentor girls, that you mentor other children in your lives. I'm so grateful that my kids don't just have me, because I'm not all that in a bag of chips, although I know you probably think that I am. Um, but I'm so glad that there are college-age girls, that there are or women like Deb Orr on our staff that love on my girls and pour into my girls. And we need spiritual moms as well as biological moms. And so to you, I say thank you. And I want to give you a round of applause as well um, because we love you and we're thankful for you. Well, Mel has been going through the I Am series, and it's the seven statements that Jesus made about himself of who he says that he is. And um, if you haven't listened to the other messages, I would highly encourage you to go on our website and check them out, because it's when we really know who Jesus is that it begins to transform us. And the reason is, is because he is our creator. He is the one that made us and the world and media and our parents and our friends are all trying to tell us who we are. But we can't possibly know who we are until we know who he is. And so you have to know who Jesus is. There are also a lot of mixed messages out there about who Jesus is, right? Um, even singing the worship set today, I loved the worship set. And man, Todd, you were like growling like during that one song. Did you guys hear him? He was like really getting into it today. Felt like we needed an organ up there too. Um, 
But I loved just the songs, and they fit so perfectly with today. But you may struggle with the fact that God is good, that Jesus is good. And that might be a mixed message for you today. And so I am hoping and I'm praying that you will learn today that, that Jesus is good. You know, Mel talked a little bit um, over last week, he talked about being that Jesus is the door, and he talked about sheep and how sheep are just dumb animals. Uh, I grew up on 32 acres, uh, but we had literally zero farm animals. So um, you would like to think that I grew up in the country, but I have no skills as a country girl whatsoever. But I do know just after reading and looking that sheep are just helpless. When an enemy comes in to attack them, they all huddle together but they still can get devoured. They can run, but they can't run very fast. And so that's why they need a shepherd, someone who will protect them. If they jump over a cliff, the others are going to follow them. I mean, they're just not very smart. And um, I know some of you have probably, like, I mean, I never did, like, blame anything on my friends ever, you know, growing up in my teenage years. Um, I'm just kidding, I probably did a lot, you know, when I would get in trouble. But, but so-and-so said this would be a good idea. Or, and I would imagine that your parents said something like this. Well, if they jumped over a cliff, would you, would, you, would, would you do that too? How many of you ever heard that phrase in your life? Yeah, I figured you would. So basically they were saying we're sheep, and we are. Um, sheep stray easily and require constant oversight. They need a shepherd, someone who's going to provide for them, someone who's going to guide and protect them. And so similarly, like a shepherd cares for the sheep, a mom cares for her children. And when you become a mom or a parent, a dad too, you feel this enormous weight, right, to provide for your kids, to make sure they have a safe home, to make sure they have clothes, to make sure they're healthy. And so often we take the, the full weight of that and we forget that ultimately if we tap into the shepherd, he's going to help provide everything that they need. It's not ultimately our weight to bear. So today we're going to look at the statement of I am the good shepherd and what that means. So if you will, look at John 10, 10 through 16. And it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. You know, John 10.10 is one of my favorite scriptures. And if you've been in church for any length of a time, you've heard it. You know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to give you life and life abundantly. And how many of you know that we have an enemy? We have an enemy who has caused brokenness in this world, and we see it all around us. He is a liar, 
And he, he's really good at counterfeiting things. That's really what he does. He's a deceiver. So he takes something that might look like life and might look like something that's good for you, and he twists it and he, he dangles it out there for you to, to ensnare you, and then it leads to nothing but destruction for you. He only counterfeits. He doesn't create. He takes what God meant for good and uses it for harm. He whispers lies like, man, this is the easier way, or this is the more fun way, or this is the quicker way to success. But it all leads to a hard end. And obedience is hard sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes it's easy. There are some choices we make that obedience is just easy. But most of the time, obedience is really hard, no matter what age you are. But rather than listen and follow the way of the enemy, you can put your confidence in the fact that the good shepherd is going to give you life and life abundantly. That when you make the obedient choice, he's going to end up giving you life and he's not going to take you away from it. He came to give life and he came to give you a life beyond what is necessary to survive. And some of you in this room might just be in survival mode right now. And I will tell you that's not what he has for you. There are some really well-meaning Christians out there who are just like white-knuckling it and say things like, well, if I just can hold out till I get to heaven, or this life is so terrible, everything is bad. Like you ask them how their day is and, and you know those people that you just don't ask them how their day is because you're only going to hear how terrible it really is. And they're just white-knuckling it. And while heaven, yes, is an amazing reward, like we all want to spend an eternity in heaven and in, in joy and, and together, but he didn't just come to die on the cross to give you heaven, but he came so that you could have an abundant life here on this earth. Because how many of you if your only picture of a Christian was one that was just white-knuckling at their way to heaven, would want that life too. Like, what is different about that Christian versus someone who is lost? There's not much of a difference, is there? Because there's not that life beaming through them. So moms, I know that you can be in those seasons where you are in survival mode. I mean, those se that season for me was like when the girls were between the ages of zero and five. Like, I need my sleep. I have since I was a teenager. Like, my daughter, Abby, she goes to bed at 8.30, and she wants to go to bed at 8.30. That's, that, she's my child. That's the way I was. Like, I have always needed my sleep, and my mom knows that I needed my sleep. Like, if you come wake up Kim from her sleep, like, all hell might break loose, you know. <laughs> Sweet little Kim turns into vicious Kim, you know. Mel knows that if he wants a happy wife that I need my sleep. The girls are very aware that mom needs her sleep. So those first five years were very hard, right, because I wasn't getting much sleep. Emma refused a bottle the first year of her life, which means that she was with me all of the time. And um, my girls are awesome, and I'm so blessed to have them, and um, they love Jesus so much. Um, but I will tell you, 
when they were younger, there were moments I thought they were evil. And <laughs> Abby, Abby, and I realized, was a lot like me. She's a firstborn. I'm a firstborn. I was strong-willed. She was strong-willed. She was so strong-willed. And there were days that I just wasn't sure I or her were going to make it. And Emma was really sick as a child. She got whooping cough when she was 11 weeks old and was in the hospital for about a month and then um, was pretty much sick the first four years of her life all the time. And so that weighed heavy on me. And then Abby was just full of life and so much fun but also wanted her way, and that was it. And Abby had no fear, and so when we would go out places, I would have to, like, grab her by the wrist, like death grip, you know. Otherwise, if she got out of my hand, she would dart off. It didn't matter if we were in a parking lot. She didn't see the cars pulling out. It didn't matter if we were in the store. She would be in the clothing racks as fast as she could go. Um, she just was Miss Independent. And I remember one day we were at Target, and um, I was so tired. And Emma was a baby and, again, wasn't well. And um, I hadn't grocery shopped in weeks, and so my cart was, like, literally overflowing, you know, because I just had to get stuff. And Emma was in her carrier, and Abby was, um, I decided, uh, because the cart was getting too full and she wasn't happy in the cart that I would let her down. Like, I don't know why. I thought that was a good decision, but at the time it was, and in a split second she was off behind the Coke cans. Like, impossible for me to get her. And I'm like, Abby, you get out of there. You know, I don't, I don't like to be one of those moms that yells at her kids in public places. I don't like to shame my kids in public places, so I was trying to, like, be firm, but... Um, but not cause a scene, and so um, it wasn't working, and I was just like, I am not leaving this cart. I am not leaving this cart. I'm not checking out of this grocery store till I check out with these groceries, and so what did I do? I called Mel, and I said, you've got to come to Target. I know you're at work, but you have to leave right now, and you have to come here <laughs> and take the girls and, and let me finish shopping, and I was not composed whatsoever. But those were seasons of my life that I was just surviving. And I really wasn't tapping into the fact that Jesus, even in that season, could help me have an abundant life. Jesus is saying in verse 11 that he is the good shepherd. And he is not just saying here that he is a good shepherd. But he is saying here, I am the good shepherd. I am the only one. He is unique. He is noble, he is wholesome, he's beautiful. And he's not just saying, I'm good on the inside, but I'm good on the outside. Every single thing about me is good. I can't be anything other than good. As the shepherd of the sheep, he is the one who protects, guides, and nurtures his flock. And the first thing we see here is that he lays down his life for his sheep in verses 11 through 13. He lays down the life for his sheep. And moms, we can relate to this because in dads and, and, and those of you who just have someone really special to you, there are certain people that you would just jump in front of a car for, right, if they were in danger. You would lay down your life 
for them without even thinking for a minute. I mean, and I've heard so many people say that are sick, like, if I could take your place, I would. Like, I know that if I came down with some grave illness, like my mom in a heartbeat, if she could switch places with me, she would because she's my mom. We try to do our best to provide a safety net. We try to provide a place that our kids will be protected and have what they need. But the love that we have for one another, the love that we have for our kids, it pales in comparison to the love that the Good Shepherd has. And he ultimately has to be the one. He has to be the Good Shepherd. He's not a hired hand, which basically means that if you pay someone, like, to watch your kids, right? You hope that they're going to do a good job. You hope that they're going to not be on their phone the whole time. You hope that they're going to love your kids and have fun with them. But ultimately, like, they're probably not going to lay down their life if, if danger comes into your home, right? They're, they probably love their life more than they love your kids' lives, now, any of the babysitters I've had, I feel sure you guys would have laid down your life for them. <laughs> no, um, but a hired hand is in it for the money, right? They're in it for the job. There's a few hired positions that are hired to lay down their lives, right? Our military are hired to lay down their lives for our country. Our, our secret service is hired to lay down their life for the president. But there are very few roles that you actually get paid to do a job to lay down your life for because we love our lives more than we love what we're doing. Jesus, on the other hand, loves our lives more than he loved his own. You know, it's kind of like when you, have, you own a home and you have renters in it, they're not going to take care of it like you would. You would hope that they would, right? But like, they're probably not going to take care of it like you would, and it's because they don't take pride in it. They don't own it. But Jesus takes pride in us, and he says, you are worth laying my life down for. He laid down his life to kill the wolf once and for all so that you could have eternal life. So what is the wolf? The wolf is sin, it's death, it's judgment. It's not a promise that we won't face hardship, right? Because he promises us that we're going to face trouble. Because we're, we live in a broken world. We're going to face trouble. But it's a promise that we are eternally secure and that he is always with us to help get us through whatever we face. There's a, a saying that Christians say, and I used to say it. And we have a lot of those well-meaning Christianese sayings. But one of them that, that really bugs me is, well, he's not going to give you more than you can handle. Like, how many of you have heard or said that ever? Jesus will not give you more than you can handle. How many of you know that that's not true? And the reason it's not true is because we are going to face things in this world that are definitely more than we can handle. But he wants to show up. And he wants to give us the power. And he wants to give us the strength. Because if it wasn't more than we could handle, then we could say, I did that. Right? The world could look to us and they could say, wow, look at Kim. She did that. But when it's beyond us, when it's more than we can handle, that's where they say, wow, look at the God she serves. 
Wow, look at how she responds that because she has a relationship with Jesus Christ. So it's not a promise that we won't face difficulty, but it's a promise that we, no matter what, if we have relationship with him, will face heaven. We will face an eternal life that is secure. It's a promise that sin no longer has to rule over us. He goes in and he fights the wolf and he breaks his teeth and he says, you cannot have my kids. When he laid down his life for us, he didn't leave us shepherdless either. He didn't just die for our sins again. He had the authority to lay down his life and to choose to lay down his life. But in verse 18, it makes it clear that he also had the authority to take his life back up again. After three days lying in that grave, he could have stayed there. Right? He did enough by then. By dying on the cross, he bought us eternity in heaven. So he could have stayed there, and that would have been good enough. But he didn't. On the third day, he took the authority that he had and he came back to life. And why did he do that? Because he knew that we would need a shepherd. He knew that we would need someone to guide and direct us that would intercede for us in heaven, that would be guiding and giving us wisdom, someone that we could call out to. And so I'm so thankful that he's still alive and guiding us today and available to be our good shepherd. The other thing that we know here is that he loves and know his sheep. And in verses 14 and 15, it, it talks about how much he loves us and that he knows us. If you are in relationship with him, he knows you. He knows every single one of your names. He calls you by name. He doesn't look at us as a big conglomerate of people, but he looks at you as individuals. It says a lot in Scripture about if, if one sheep is lost, he goes after the one, right? Because he cares about the one. Here it shows that God knew parental love firsthand with Jesus. And this verse gives us a beautiful image of the relational significance between the father and the son. And it, it says here, Just as the father knows me, and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. It's one of complete dependence. And you too can have a relationship that you can know his voice. And he can know yours. You know, it's like, when you have a really close relationship with someone, I realize that we all have caller ID now. Well, I'm sure there's a few of you in here that don't have caller ID, but I won't make you raise your hand. Um, but most of us on our cell phones, we'll see a number, we see a name pop up, and we know who it is. But when I call somebody that I know and I am in and have a close relationship with them, I don't have to introduce myself. I don't have to call and say, hi, this is Kim. Right? No, I normally just say hi and just start into my conversation because they know my voice. Right? Just like with my girls, they can pick my voice out of a crowd. You know, if I'm yelling in them, yelling for them in Walmart, you know, they can hear, oh, that's mom's voice. But that's how the Father, that's how Jesus wants us to be with him. He wants us to be able to know his voice. He's not hiding from us. He's not holding out on us. 
He wants a relationship with you. And in John 10, 27 through 30, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they will follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So he took back up his life so that we could have a personal relationship with him. He also promises to never lose us or leave us. And that is something that I cannot promise my girls. Right? As a mom, like I want to be able to promise that I'm never going to lose them or leave them. But the fact is, is that my days are numbered. Right? I'm very aware of that. Six years ago, my very best friend died suddenly and left behind three little girls. I'm very aware that I cannot make a promise to my girls that I will never leave them. But what I can promise them is they have a good shepherd who will never leave them. I can have the comfort in knowing that no matter what happens to me, that if I know the good shepherd and I rely on the voice of the good shepherd, then I can instill in them that they too have a good shepherd that is never going to lose us that is never going to leave us. When we have a relationship with him, we have a shepherd that will guide us, feed us, heal us, protect us, and seek us out. And in Ezekiel 34, I would encourage you to read the whole book. It's really just a foretelling of Jesus as the shepherd. But we're going to focus on verses 11 and 12 and 15 and 16. And it says, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost, I will bring back the strayed, I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice." How powerful a promise. So if you have someone in your life, maybe it is your parent that doesn't know the Lord, or maybe it is a family member or a child, how wonderful a promise that we can cling to that he seeks out the scattered. He rescues them. He seeks them out. He brings back the strayed. He binds up the injured and the brokenhearted, and he strengthens the weak. You're never, ever, ever beyond his reach. I have done terrible things in my life. Things that I don't deserve his forgiveness or his love for. Days that my mom was on her knees. Begging that I would come back to him. But he never lost me. I was always in his sight. He sought me out. He brought me back. He healed me. And I'm so thankful that I can be here today to share that with you. You're never too far gone. In verse 16, the last thing that we're going to look at is that the shepherd unites his sheep. He didn't just lay down his life for the ethnic Jews that he was speaking to, and they thought he was. You know, he thought, they thought that 
He just laid down his life for them, and he made it clear that he laid down his life for the Jews and the Gentiles. I may have to get my Kleenex out. This is the first time I've cried, so you guys are special. (laughs) Jesus is gathering Christians and those who call him Savior from all over the world, from every culture, from every tribe, from every language, from every ethnicity. He loves every single human being on this planet. Sometimes I think we as Americans think that he died just for us and only for us. We forget that he was born in the Middle East. He died for every single person. And there are Christians all over the world. And it's why we do missions to help spread the gospel to see that every tribe and every tongue knows him and hears his voice. And one day when he comes back, every tribe, every tongue is going to be gathered together to worship him. And it's going to be a beautiful melting pot of humanity. It's going to blow our minds. He didn't die for the perfect or the ones that earned it because a lot of times we try to earn our way or try to be good enough. He died for you. He died for me. No matter what we look like, no matter what we've done, no matter our status or our education or our qualifications, he died for you. His desire is that none would perish without having a relationship with him. You know, maybe today you're hurting and last night especially, I could just see tears like streaming down people's faces. And so I knew that there was hurt in the room. And so today you may be hurting, you may feel abandoned, you may have lost a mom, you may not have a relationship with your mom. I'm very aware that there is sometimes pain associated with the word mom. I, I worked in a shelter for kids that would be removed from their homes and just saw atrocities. So I get that there's sometimes there's pain around the word mom. And maybe you feel lost today. Maybe you feel forgotten. But I have good news. If you are in Christ, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, the good shepherd is here and ready and willing to guide and direct you, to seek you out, to give you abundant life. The things I know is even the best moms are messed up a little. I am not naive to think that my girls someday will just be saying, man, my mom was the perfect mom. Like, I'm very aware that my 13-year-old is, like, not always saying, wow, girls, like, sharing in her junior high, you know, like, my mom is the best mom, right? I am certain that she vents about me sometimes. Right, my, my Instagram posts are not always a true reflection of, of my life, right? Like posting a pretty picture of a meal. I don't ever do that because I cook rarely. So, but, you know, I, I could make my Instagram posts look like I am just the best mom in the whole wide world. But my girls know that that's not true. I'm not naive to think that they're not going to resent me for something later on in life. That's why I have a counseling fund set up for them. (laughs) 
I'm very aware that I'm human. I'm very aware that I'm messed up because you are too. (laughs) But I have peace knowing that if I am in a relationship with the Good Shepherd, that no amount of self-help books, and I have my master's in marriage and family therapy, no amount of degrees, no amount of um, training can always give me the wisdom in situations that I, that I need. But as long as I'm tethered to the good shepherd, as long as I, their mom, has a relationship with him, then I can have confidence knowing that I'm going to do the best I can, but knowing that he can give me supernatural wisdom in their, for their lives and how to parent them. Moms, the best gift that you can give to your kids is for you to be tethered to the shepherd today. It doesn't matter how old you are. Kids, the best gift you can give to your mom is for you to be tethered to the shepherd. Your mom isn't your savior. Your dad isn't your savior. So many of us identify our faith through our parent or, I mean, I hear so often, well, you know, I went to church with my parents or, or I had this belief because of my parents and your faith is never to be tethered to somebody else, but it's to be t- to directly to the shepherd himself. I have no clue what I'm doing as a parent. I mean, like when they ask me to go speak at Mops, I'm like, all right. <laughs> Let me tell you all the things that I've done wrong and then how God's helped me overcome it. Again, I know that we're not promised freedom from trouble, but we are promised comfort and care a shepherd with a watchful, compassionate eye. We are not promised that people won't hurt us or abandon us because I promise you they will. We're all going to face hurt and abandonment by someone. But we are promised a seat at his table, a place where we belong, the favor of the king. We are not promised a pain-free, easy life, We are promised rest and refreshment, goodness and mercy for each leg of the journey. So today my prayer is that you would lie down at the good shepherd's feet and rest, knowing that not once, not ever, not even for a second, has he stopped watching over you. Not ever. Some of you have probably... Most of you have probably heard the 23rd Psalm, whether you were raised in church or not. It is something that is um, very commonly read um, or put on a picture frame or whatever. But King David wrote this 23rd Psalm. He, he was the man considered to be the man after God's own heart. And King David knew what it was like to royally mess up. I mean, the man committed adultery. He committed murder. He He just did a lot of things that we would think, oh, he's too far gone. But he always came back to God. And he knew God intimately as his shepherd. And so when he wrote this, and as we, I want you to repeat it with me, or not repeat it with me, but say it with me. And I don't want you just to, I know some of you grew up in backgrounds where you repeated back things or you said things in church, but it was just words. I don't, 
don't want these to be words to you today. As you say this psalm, I want you to think about how it really applies to you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me pray over you. God, I just thank you for your goodness. And I realize that there's probably a good number of people in here today that doubt your goodness, Lord. That they have mixed messages about you, and I just pray that today you would speak to each and every individual heart and remind them of your love, or that you laid down your life for each and every one of us, and that you're a good shepherd. You're going to lead us into an abundant life, no matter what, even on the days that it seems impossible. And God, I just pray that you would just speak to hearts over these next few minutes. I would like every person to keep their eyes closed and their head bowed, because this is a, a sacred moment. It's a holy moment. It's one between you and God, and it, we're not going to be calling you forward or calling you out, but if you are here today and you say, Kim, I have never accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I know that I have been living my own way and walking my own path, and I, I need a good shepherd. I need forgiveness. I need healing. I want to make him Lord of my life today. Or maybe you're in here and you say, at one time he was Lord of my life, but I've walked away, I've strayed, I'm one of those that is scattered right now and I, I need him to bring me back. I want to come home. I want his guidance and direction in my life. And if either one of those are you, will you just be so bold to raise your hand and say, I wanna accept Jesus today. I wanna make him my shepherd today. Anyone over this room? Yes, back here on the left. Yes, right here in the center. Just wait a few more moments. Anyone else in here that just says, I need a good shepherd today? Yes, back here on the right. Yes, right over here in the left in the middle. just celebrate with those that gave their lives to Christ and, and just said, I need to pray. Well, what we're going to do right now is, is we are going to pray together, and I want everyone in this house to repeat it after me. God, I need you today. 
I admit that I cannot do things on my own. I admit that I'm lost without you. And I need your forgiveness today. I pray that the good shepherd would guide and direct me. And I pray that others would see the change and the difference in my life. Lord, help me to be tethered to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. know that there's probably many of you in here that say, I I have a son or a daughter that is lost, or I have a parent that is lost. Um, Would you just raise your hand, because I know there's probably a lot in here, and, and just as a church family, we can pray together today, and there's a lot of hands, but let's just pray over our, our parents that are lost, or our children that are lost. God, we just Lord, we realize our need for a good shepherd, God, and to realize that it is not our job to save our family members, God, but it is your job. And I pray over these ones that are lost, Lord, knowing that you see them, you know them, and God, you never force your will upon us. You only invite. But God, I pray that you would bring people into their path that would speak hope that would show your love to them. And God, that you would bring back those that are scattered right now, that you would bring those to you that don't know you, Lord. And I just pray for those that are just seeking out and praying for them, Lord, that they wouldn't give up in their prayers. God, that you you always hear us and you hear our cries. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To watch this message on video, go to summittogether.com.